Well, good morning. I'm Ian Wright. I'm the Chief Executive of the Food and Drink Federation, and it's my very pleasant duty to welcome you to the launch this morning of uh, FDF's Net Zero Ambition. You're all very welcome. There are about uh, 200 plus, more than 200 uh, organizations and individuals uh, accredited to join us this morning. And I think the size of that audience reflects the real importance of what we're going to be discussing in the next hour. Uh, the other thing that very clearly reflects the importance of the conversation over the next hour is the presence of our guest, Andrew Griffith, uh, the MP for Arundel, but more important, the, the government's net zero business uh, ambassador and one of the most successful business leaders uh, of the last two decades, and certainly one of the most successful ever to transfer from business to parliament. And I'll say a bit more about Andrew in introduction in just a second. But before I do, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about why we're here today and our purpose. So as those of you who are members of the FDF uh, will know, the FDF and those who are, have watched us will know, the FDF is the representative body of food and drink manufacturers. There are many other trade associations and representative bodies and they all do good work, but we're the largest representing over 900 firms, which is about 10% of the uh, pool of food and drink manufacturers as measured by the ONS, and about 40% of the production of the industry by value or volume. Uh, so our intentions as they relate to climate change are going to be important, but they're not necessarily decisive. So what we do today in confirming our ambitions for net zero will be a kind of prompt to the industry, but it's vital that the wider industry and the wider food chain takes note of these ambitions and embraces them as well, because this is an effort in which everybody needs to be enjoined. When he spoke at the COP22 climate change conference, John Kerry, then uh, Secretary of State, famously had his granddaughter with him. And he spoke very movingly of the importance of what COP22 decided for his grandchild and his grandchildren's generation. What's changed in the decade since then is that COP26, when it comes in Glasgow, later this year will not just be about the hopes and fears of our grandchildren or our children. It'll be about us because climate change is here now. And what we do now and in the decade to come will be, as President Biden told us last week, absolutely decisive in the question of what will happen to this planet over the years to come. So the decisions and ambitions that we pursue now are critical. And the food industry has a vital place in all of that. Uh, food manufacturing has a vital place. Farming has a vital place. Retail and hospitality all have a crucial place. And that's why today it's really important that this is the latest stage in bringing the industry together behind a single uh, ambition. And so it's important to note that today the FDF is launching our ambition to reach net zero by 2040. In doing that, we're in line 
with the farming community through the NFU and its other organizations and with retail. And I'm sure we're in line with many, many, many across the hospitality and food to go industries as well. That collective effort will be crucial. And our members, big and small, from the most famous businesses in the world to some of the smallest businesses, single person enterprises working on their kitchen table, will all be aligned, I hope, behind our ambition to change the game on net zero as far as food manufacturing is concerned. Now, it's a great pleasure uh, with the scale of that ambition to welcome someone who is responsible for the government's efforts in this regard, uh, in encouraging, leading and actually demanding change from business. And there are few better people placed to do that than Andrew Griffiths, MP for Arundel since 2019, but perhaps more important in this context, uh, a hugely successful business leader with Sky. Andrew joined Sky in uh, 1999. He became uh, CFO in 2008 and Chief Operating Officer in 2016. And it's important to remember what a big business Sky is. 39,000 people at the front end of broadcasting and uh, online practice and one of the best companies in that arena in the world. But Andrew also has a lot of um, a lot of experience in the food industry. He was uh, non-executive director at Just Eat and then interim chairman at Just Eat during one of the most troubled and complex periods in that company's history. And uh, and Andrew won the award for best non-executive director in that uh, in that regard in 2019. So he's seen industry from both sides. He's seen business from actually running the finances of a huge global business and also the challenges of a small and growing business uh, and running it as the chairman at a very difficult time. So there could be nobody better placed to talk about the challenges and difficulties and opportunities of the government's net zero program. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Andrew Griffith. Andrew. Ian, well, thank you so much. And it's genuinely a delight to be here with the uh, Food and Drink Federation, as well as those other things that you kindly mentioned. Uh, I am a massive fan. Um, it's one of the most important sectors in our country, provides thousands of jobs, uh, brings life to high streets and small business parks and rural and urban areas alike uh, across this great country of ours. And it's always led the way uh, on crucial initiatives, things like uh, female entrepreneurship and sustainability uh, in all its forms. Um, so what you're doing today uh, is absolutely consistent uh, with all of that. I, I should say that I'm very, very conscious of all the incredibly difficult times that people have been through over the last 12 months. Uh, and I do recognise that we're not yet fully out of the woods. We're not yet fully unlocked um, as part of uh, often complex supply chains, whether that's retail or hospitality. Um, I know that uh, that will have impacted on many of you. Um, and thank you so much for being there, uh, for keeping the nation fed uh, and, and watered, if that's quite the right word, um, during the, uh, the most difficult period that we've been through. I also want to congratulate you on today's ambitious announcement. Uh, and it is ambitious to, uh, to take a body of energy, uh, a way of working uh, 
that served mankind and, and supported all of our development and all of the wonderful things that we take for granted today uh, for over 2000 years and then commit in the space of a handful of decades uh, to, to, to revolutionize that because that's what this is all about. Um, we have, you know, the reason I think we're here today, the reason that this is the moment to act is that we have this uh, fantastic, unique, uh, and very serious opportunity uh, over the course of the next few months. This is the year that we host uh, the G7 uh, summit. We, we are the, already the United Kingdom, the G7 uh, president. Uh, it'll be hosted in the heart of what I always think is food and drink land uh, down in the southwest. Um, so that's the host of the G7 presidency. We also host uh, COP26, the UN Global Climate Summit in November in Glasgow, uh, another part of the United Kingdom that's famous for its uh, food and drink vernacular, uh, as indeed, frankly, every, every, every part of the kingdom are, is, which is why the Food and Drink Federation is such an important industry. Last week, we saw some really good news and progress. Uh, you saw the government uh, laying legislation for what's called the UK sixth carbon budget. And the significance of that is it encapsulates the ambition uh, of what this government is trying to do. That budget would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 78% by 2035 compared to 1990 levels. So that's a further incremental increase at this important time. We also saw, uh, you may see more of this on television, um, the 40 world leaders come together at the US Climate Summit. Um, and they sent a clear signal to make this decade a moment of decisive change, as Ian talked about, uh, to tackle the climate crisis and keep the one and a half degrees uh, increase in warming within reach. We saw ambitious targets on the back of the UK, which is a world leader. You can be proud of the UK in this space because we are genuinely leading the world in this revolution. But we also saw ambitious targets uh, come forward from the US, from Japan and from Canada meaning that all of the G7 responsible for over half of global GDP have now committed to make deep cuts in their emissions over the next decade. Finally, we saw um, the Glasgow Finance Alliance for Net Zero, which will broaden uh, and deepen ambition in the finance sector. So uh, food and drink coming forward today with 2040, fantastically ambitious. Uh, that was an example last week of another really big, important global sector uh, coming forward with their target. And businesses are absolutely at the heart of this. I mean, my, my higher order uh, calling, if you like, Ian, in this area is that businesses are the solution, not the problem. You know, there's some people that think, you know, the, 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 challenge, the opportunity here is to go and, you know, attack businesses, to criticise businesses. Actually, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, this is a business business challenge and it is businesses each and every day who will solve this, uh, which is why I was so pleased to be uh, designated by the prime minister as the UK net zero business champion uh, so that I can champion all the good work that businesses are doing in the run up to November. I just want to reiterate uh, the importance of, of setting net zero targets. 
um, and things, initiatives like the Race to Zero that every business, large and small, uh, can join. Um, and that, that's something that uh, you can join via things like the business ambition for one and a half degrees, as if you're a, a large business, uh, to the small business uh, initiative that the government is leading, which you can find at SME Climate Hub forward slash UK. If you, if, you, if you go and Google that, that's something that's age appropriate for every business, uh, however small, even if it's just one, one of you uh, making uh, a product in a small lockup, uh, there are still actions, simple, easy to take actions that all of us can take. Uh, and we are seeing every single day more businesses sign up to take part in this journey. Uh, and more and more examples of fantastic innovation uh, that businesses are doing as well. So my, my simple ask of people is typically to say, look, act, show and tell. Act by taking a pledge yourself, uh, looking at what you can do, um, making an ambition just as the Food and Drink Federation has today uh, to bit to net zero by 2040. Take that pledge, make that act, and then show others what you are doing. Word of mouth, we know, is the most, uh, the most potent and powerful way uh, for the business community to communicate. Frankly, if we weren't good at communicating, we wouldn't be in business. That's, that's what you do every day to lead and motivate your employees, to keep your customers happy, and to tell people about your products. So a big emphasis on telling people what you're doing. Um, and then thirdly, to try and work with your extended supply chains. Uh, and it was great to hear from Ian uh, that this sits alongside both this similar initiative taken by the B British Retail Consortium and the Farmers Union, uh, because that really makes a reality of what they call it, feet farm to fork. Um, and you sit at an incredibly important uh, place within that. So to conclude, you know, you are all in great company. You know, there is this mass movement, uh, this terrific, exciting change, actually, that's going to throw up huge opportunities, opportunities for high quality British food and drink providers as people rediscover some of the attributes of local, of sustainability and of responsible businesses that are taking action on issues that they care about. You're, we've got this collective moment in the sun where the UK can use all of its soft power, all of the opportunities uh, that we have as a world leader to lead by example. And finally, we can all come together. The whole world, the whole planet can come together at this moment in time to take action and make a better world for all of us. And you don't get those opportunities every every single day of the week. So it really is vital work uh, that all of you are doing uh, and there's lots of resources out there to help you on that journey you've got my full support and it's truly a delight to be with you today uh, and to hear about the ambition that the food and drink federation has come forward with thank you thank you very much Andrew, um, Andrew. Um, Emma, on you go I was just going to say, in we have uh, three, four minutes uh, in time. Um, so if you do have some uh, initial reflections or, or questions, please do go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Um, Andrew, that was really uh, both very interesting and also very inspiring, particularly 
coming from somebody like you who's been literally at the chalk face as it were of, of, of making bit two very different businesses succeed um i guess i have two questions uh one is one of the things about all of this i mean it's very good that the ambition has been brought forward by most businesses to 20 or many businesses to 2040 there are some who just simply can't achieve it before 2050 but it, i think that the the forward the bringing forward of the accelerating of the ambitions by government is is very very important but one of the things that many people who are watching this and listening to this will say is well i won't be in this job in 2040 so i'll be making here pledges and uh, setting ambitions for people who might not just be my successor but might be my successor's successor's successor so how how can we guarantee that the ambitions we we set are not simply um uh, kind of eroded by the difficulties which will be to come well conversely Ian, i actually think it's going to get easier weirdly i accept there's a there's a degree of belief and ambition in that but remember if we all move together and i spend my day talking to every single part of the supply chain from people who are producing renewable energy um, and the biggest single change that we can all make is is change the energy source that we are using you know, in an in industrial process that can be challenging it may be a journey from you know all the way from oil to clean gas to gray hydrogen to green hydrogen um, so some of those are our journeys but for most of us it's a lot easier than that you know we can make sure that our energy provider themselves are taking advantage of the burgeoning amount of renewable energy i mean with the uk is generating something like a third of the world's wind energy and we are going to quadruple that over the next couple of decades. So we're already a wind superpower, if you like, and, and that is clean and green um, and available to all of us. Um, and as we all move together, it does become progressively easier. You know, if you if you've got if you're running a business fleet, um, whether it's 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 one van or whether it's a, a whole big uh, fleet of vans. Again, you can't change that part of your supply chain alone. But if I've just got off the call with an automotive manufacturer who's telling me about how they're bringing electric and hydrogen products to market, then there's a much bigger opportunity there. The experience of some of the early adopters in this space who did set targets is that once once they, they sort of get in there, and, and I accept that that's often the most um, nervous psychological barrier to overcome is setting a target that far ahead in the first place we're not good at that are we you know we you know we, we will th we'll think a couple of weeks ahead three months ahead maybe you know we go to the board with a three-year plan you'd get laughed out of court in most domains by saying i'm going to tell you what 2040 is going to look like i accept that um but i wouldn't i wouldn't for one moment put anyone off taking the first step on that journey and, and the experience of those who've already been there is companies like Vodafone. I was talking to another um, British um, clothing company yesterday. I mean, they, they set original targets for 2040 or 2050 because they wanted to get on the playing field. Once you start to chunk it down into a tractable set of problems, it becomes progressively easier. So, you know, when you're setting it at the, the highest level, it feels hard. You know, once you go to your, you know, building manager or whoever runs operations for the business and says, 
look, I need to look at you know, how we actually break this down. It does start to feel like every other business problem. And believe me, we're good at this, right? Business is fantastically good at this. Just look at what's happened on vaccination over the last 12 months. You know, last 12 months, that all felt like pie in the sky. You know, now it's in X million arms. There's a whole logistical infrastructure around that. Um, and all of that was, was spun up by business, really. And I think that's a really important point. If we could get the the energy and the uh, and the kind of vim and vigor that we got into the vaccine search, into the commitment to net zero, then there's no there's no limit really to what we can achieve. Andrew, I'm going to stop there because I can see Emma anxious to move us on. Thank you so much for joining us, um, and we hope to invite you back to a similar event later in the year or early next year, where we can mark the progress that's been achieved by COP26 and we can hear your verdict on what it, uh, what it managed to set out as the global ambitions for net zero and for climate change. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Not all fabulous. Thank you for having me and please share your wonderful stories along the way, you know, large and small, um, those, uh, those all inspire action for others, so thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Emma, over to you. Thank you. And indeed, and thank you uh, both uh, Ian and Andrew. Much appreciated. Um, OK, so for the rest of our agenda today, um, we'll be starting off uh, with uh, some feedback from our Net Zero Narrative project, which many of you participated in in October and November last year with, with surveys and interviews. And this really forms uh, the, the baseline that the, the, the work behind our, our current project to develop a roadmap to net zero for the sector, uh, which uh, 3Keel uh, will be presenting on. Uh, and then we will talk more widely about our programme on Net Zero for 2021. And then Sam Lux from Bayes will then um, talk about the SME Climate Hub, which Andrew just referred to. And, and then we'll uh, summarise and close. Um, so at this point, if, if I could then pass over to Samantha from GemServe, please. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Um, I'm, I'm Samantha Crichton. Um, I work for uh, a company called GemServe. Um, as, as Emma said, we, we worked um, with the Food and Drink Federation uh, uh, the last quarter of 2020 um, to survey and interview members and, and staff to understand um, some of the drivers, challenges and opportunities for net zero. Um, so if we could move on to the next slide, please. So both um, Ian and Andrew touched on ambition in, in their presentations, and this really ties nicely into the first area that we, that we considered as part of our, our research project. We asked uh, members about their sustainability targets and their aspirations that they've set, and it, it's really clear that the food and drink sector has an ambition and a, a really clear willingness to, to set ambitious targets. Um, and to broaden these targets over time. Most organisations had some sort of target that they had set, um, with delivery dates ranging from 2025 to 2050. And these targets, whether they be publicly committed um, or internal, covered a, a, a varied in scope and coverage. Um, a good proportion of, uh, of members were working towards targets covering scope one and scope two. Um, and also tackling wider sustainability challenges 
such as plastic and, and food waste. And, and some were considering scope three, but found tackling these emissions a little bit more challenging. If we can move on to the next slide, please. Understanding the drivers for these changes is, is really important, and this has helped to shape a clear narrative for, for the sector. Um, it also helps us understand the types of interventions that might be helpful to support further action. So as you can see on the slide in front of you, um, company values and personal commitments were seen as the main the main drivers for organisations setting any sort of environmental target or sustainability target. Um, but this was closely followed by cost savings. So we know that we need to, uh, to tackle uh, these sorts of issues and highlight the, the benefits of, um, of implementing different actions um, to deliver cost savings as well as uh, meeting these these long-term commitments and, and, and strategies that have been set out by the organisations. Next slide, please. There, we, there are a number of barriers to achieving net zero. We, we know this. Um, uh, the graphic on screen highlights some of the key themes that came out, um, and our report goes into to more detail on, on each of these. The, the most commonly highlighted barriers were sort of the understanding of how to uh, fully decarbonize business operations, the suitability of the different solutions to, to doing this, um, and, and also the inconsistency in terminology across, across the sector um, and labeling. And a number of people highlighted that as a, as a challenge um, and, and an area where the, the FDF could help bring people together to, to ensure a consistent approach to decarbonization across the whole sector. Next slide, please. This, this slide shows uh, the level of awareness for low carbon technologies. And as you can see, there's generally a good level of awareness across all different technologies. Um, but we, we do see greater um, awareness and implementation of low carbon electricity generation compared to heating. Um, so, we think moving forwards, we may need to tar uh, target efforts on heat decarbonisation over electricity, um, which is, is something that, that Andrew mentioned in his, uh, in his, his opening presentation. Um, we, sorry, apologies. Um, next slide, please. It's clear that this year is an important one and the Food and Drink Federation will play a really key role in supporting the sector, set and achieve ambitious targets. A particular area of focus, um, as, as discovered through our, through our work, is influencing policy to ensure that the right regulatory framework is in place. But also, the Food and Drink Federation was identified as an important um, uh, organisation to bring people together, to share knowledge and insights, and ensure that the sector has the right tools and techniques to, uh, to achieve the net zero target that is being set. Um, so I hope that this, this very brief summary of our, of our research um, gives you an overview of the findings um, and uh, hopefully should feed in quite nicely to, to Simon's session, uh, which builds on this as part of the net zero roadmap.
Great. Thank you very much, Samantha. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Simon Miller. I'm one of the co-founders of 3Keel, um, and we're tasked with leading a consortium to, <clears throat> to develop the, the net zero roadmap for the FDF. Um, so I'm leading this as part of a consortium. Um, so just to you know who we are before I get on to a bit more about the project itself. So in the next slide, please, Emma. Um, so yeah, our team developing the, the roadmap for the FDF is uh, my organization, 3Keel, uh, Canopy, which is a specialist sustainability consultancy working in uh, engagement and, and strategy, particularly in food and drink. Um, and then Mike Barry, who some of you may well know from his time as head of Plan A at MS. And it was our same team who did the, the BRC Climate Action Roadmap, which was referred to earlier. So this was a project last year uh, with 20 retailers, including most of the grocery retailers, um, which has now got, I think, 65 retailers signed up uh, with a commitment to net zero 2040 with specific targets on scope one, scope two, and scope three. Um, so we've been tasked by the FDF to use some of our insights and learning from, from that experience and apply it in the food and drink sector where we, we do so much work already. Um, so on to the next slide, please, Emma. So uh, I know that most of you on the call are, are food and drink businesses. Um, you know your, your landscape very well, of course. The FDF is, is slap bang in the middle there. You have your customers at uh, BRC on the retail side. And then on the hospitality side, uh, there's a program underway with the Zero Carbon Forum, which we believe will be setting net zero targets for the hospitality sector. So two you know, major customer groups have their net zero commitments in place. Um, there's then uh, Coulthard with, with RAP, which is covering, covering the sector and setting their own decarbonisation targets. Of course, the NFU with their net zero 2040 and then the overarching uh, government targets for UK and Wales and Scotland. Um, and it's not just the, the food system. Of course, there's a whole array of global programmes. So we'll hear more about Race, Race to Zero from Sam today, and then Science-Based Targets Initiative, Climate Action 100, and the Climate Pledge are just four examples of major global programmes, all looking to accelerate the net zero uh, uh, targets and, and rate of activity. So, the, the, the FDF 2040 target has been raised with the President's Committee. Uh, it was very strongly supported in the sense that this is absolutely the right thing for, for the FDF to do to help the food and drink sector to make its own, own progress. On the next slide, please. Um, I'm sure some of you have you know, heard about net zero. There are some question marks around decarbonisation, offsetting of residual emissions. And this is a slide from uh, the Climate Change Committee from their sixth carbon budget, which is a very good report. I'd recommend people having a, a flick through. And really this is laying out what they call the balanced pathway to net zero for the UK. And really the point to make is that there's this huge focus on decarbonisation. So yes, net zero does involve some offsetting, but that's the end stage. And before we get there, we must decarbonise very rapidly and very deeply across all parts of the economy. And that's exactly the focus that we're bringing to this project for FDF. On to the next slide, please, Emma. So what are the aims? In simple terms, there's three aims from this bit of work. So the first one is, is to set a vision. Uh, so the, the FDF, you know, laying its, its place there around net zero for 2040, the role that UK food and drink industry has to, to support this. Um, secondly, about purpose. So really clarifying, you know, how, how the industry 
uh, can go for net zero in the case for action. And thirdly, and perhaps most important, is, is guidance. So we know this is a complex space. There's all sorts of initiatives out there. But as a food and drink business, how do you, how do you get started? What are the first steps to take? Um, and this third step on guidance will be the, the, the major um, portion of this project and outputs, which I'll come on to in a moment. Um, so in the next slide, we have the steering group. Um, obviously, it's critically important the work we do is appropriately guided to be as useful and relevant for, for you as members and for the industry at large. So uh, we have four steering group meetings across the project, and they are comprised FDF team, so Ian Wright is CEO, uh, Scotland representatives, Cymru representatives, um, and, and Emma, uh, who's leading the project. And then four members who all hold key committee positions, so ABF, Appetito, Coca-Cola, and Nestle. Um, and then for future meetings, we're going to be inviting from Northern Ireland, NIFTA, and the British Retail Consortium, really to, to seek as much alignment um, with, with other players as possible in the work that we do. Um, so that steering group is, is, is critical to, to guide the work as it progresses. So the last few minutes, I'm just going to explain uh, what it is we're actually producing, the outputs for this Net Zero programme. So next slide, please, Emma. In essence, there's two key outputs. So one is, is what we call an overview report, which should be relatively short, eight to 10 pages, intended for all stakeholders. So for, for customers, for, for government, uh, you know, for all the relevant stakeholders to food and drink businesses. Um, and then the second one, longer output, is what we call this handbook. And that's very much aimed at food and drink businesses with the intention to help business to really understand this agenda and where they can get started and where they can move faster on their own path towards net zero. And the timetable is for completion in August of this year, um, in good time ahead of COP and in November. Um, and if you just click one, one more slide, please. There we go. One of the, the elements which is going to be important is contextualization. So uh, understanding climate change and greenhouse gas emissions, it's a numbers game, really. Um, and we've been working with a model created by RAP for their Coulthard work, which models the entire UK food and drink sector and puts greenhouse gas numbers to each stage along the value chain <clears throat> and enables projection for how decarbonisation might happen. And we're working with RAP on that model and we will be sort of populating these reports with data to just show the relative impact of different parts of the food system and therefore where the hotspots are and where focus is needed for decarbonisation. So last couple of slides, I'm just going to dive into these, these two reports briefly um, to give you a sense of their proposed contents. So on the next slide, please, Emma. So for the overview document, so this is the shorter one of the two, um, and we're still at the early stages of the project. So this is our current framing. Um, these are seven sections. So, you know, covering the, the UK food and drink sector, um, climate change and emissions reduction targets in general, the business case for, for the net zero commitment from FDS point of view, that understanding emissions profile. So using that RAP model, what does it look like for the food and drink sector? What will the, the net zero targets mean for FDF members? What are all the other initiatives out there? We're very conscious we don't want to reinvent the wheel. And given we've got you know, fairly limited real estate across these reports, we will need to be signposting 
uh, quite effectively to, to key, key initiatives. And lastly, from that shorter document is then to set up the handbook and the purpose of that and how that can help uh, food and drink businesses for net zero. So my final slide then is just to give you a, a sense of the, the content of that handbook. So as I say, this is intended for food and drink businesses, really hoping to help you in understanding and acting around carbon and decarbonisation. So begin with an introduction as to, to what it is and how it works. Um, a more detailed uh, summary of the, the sector emissions. Some of the key developments that affect the sector. So cross-cutting things might be food waste, might be diets, might be technology. But some of the key themes uh, relevant to this, this whole endeavour. Um, fourthly then is, is design the team for effective action. So you know, we know from our experience working with, with businesses on climate change that success relies really on the internal team makeup, clear roles, clear responsibilities. And we think we can uh, plot that out uh, for food and drink businesses. And how can you set up internally to, to, to drive this type of action? And then the, the, the longest part will be a stage-by-stage -stage coverage across the value chain. So as you'd expect, ingredients, packaging, manufacturing, distribution and storage, and then customers. And that customers will comprise both sort of retail, hospitality, and the end consumer. And for each value chains, really each of those stages to, to summarize what the key issues are, some of the barriers and the opportunities and, and areas for action towards decarbonization. Uh, the, the, the sixth section then will touch on carbon removals. Some of you will know from the recent net zero guidance from the science-based targets initiative, removals or offsetting, but offsetting through removals is, is required to get to zero. And we'll give some commentary on that and what that means. Um, and then there'll be another section of initiatives but with more detail. So really, what's your, your set of resources to turn to, to go into more detail in different areas? And finally, the call to action. Um, so as I say, it's still fairly early in the project. We've got our second meeting with the steering group in the next couple of weeks. Um, and we'll be working up along this structure, really with the aim to produce something which is, is relatively uh, short, very accessible, can be easily dipped into, passed around between colleagues and really to help uh, food and drink businesses to, to get started on this journey. So thank you very much and I'm going to pass, pass back to Emma. Thank you Simon. Um, good morning everyone. Uh, I'm Emma Mansbridge, I'm the Sustainability and Environmental Policy Executive at the FDF and I'm going to talk to you today about how the FDF is planning to engage with members on the net zero topic, particularly as it relates to education, collaboration and showcasing activities, as were referenced earlier by Sam at GenServe. So on knowledge sharing and information, the FDF has been working with our professional affiliate members and other relevant key stakeholders and we've been planning a comprehensive programme of webinars and podcasts throughout 2021. We have focused on a number of key priority areas for members, including, but not limited to, how to understand and measure scope three emissions, technological solutions for the food and drink sector, and how net zero fits into the wider business portfolio and priorities on sustainability, such as packaging, transport, and food waste. 
We've already got a couple of webinars on the website that people can register to, um, including reducing energy costs through on-site generation and the pathway to net zero with Yum Energy. And we will be uploading more soon. I encourage interested attendees to register to the FDF website and sign up to receive our events newsletter or to follow the FDF on Instagram, LinkedIn and or Twitter. And then you'll be notified and alerted to these going forward. Related to collaboration <clears throat> and showcasing activities, the FDF is working to pull together a collection of case studies from our membership. We'll use these to encourage conversation on the opportunities and the challenges that the food and drink manufacturers have faced so far. These can encompass any project associated with decarbonisation. Um, for example, a strategy focused on implementing a net zero programme approach, um, an approach to carbon footprinting, uh, supply chain challenges, or individual investment projects that our members have undertaken, for example, on energy efficiency or on-site generation. These case studies will be published on the FDF website and with the approval of members will be shared on our social media platforms and with key stakeholders, including government. I'll now specifically talk about our SME members. So in late 2020, the FDF shared the hashtag net zero SME survey on behalf of the Broadway Initiative. This is fed into the work led by the Broadway Initiative with a number of cross-sector trade bodies to help develop the Zero Carbon Business website. This website initially focuses on overarching needs for smaller businesses in regards to net zero and guidance on where they can start. It is expected that this website will expand over time and as our understanding of the needs of SME businesses increases. We've been also been working with the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, or BASE, to help feed into the development of the SME Climate Hub and the UK government's SME climate change commitment. I will now hand over to Sam Lux at Bayes to talk about this in more detail. Thank you. Thanks Emma and hi everyone. Um, I'm Sam Lux from um, Bayes, as Emma just mentioned. Um, thanks for having me here today. I've been yeah, really enjoying hearing about the ambitious, exciting work going on in the sector. I don't think I've ever spoken to 180 people before at once, so a bit scary, but at the same time, I can't see any of you, so that, that helps. Um, so yeah, today I'll just give you a little bit uh, of an overview of uh, the UK small business campaign in the lead up to COP26, which is led by Andrew Griffith MP, so we've sort of uh, come full circle. Um, but in a nutshell, the campaign um, and its new UK Business Climate Hub provide an umbrella or one-stop shop for small businesses looking for information about net zero and how they can take action. Uh, next slide, please. So I'll just start by giving you a little bit of context um, behind where this sits. So the UN is running uh, the Race to Zero campaign, which aims to secure 2050 net zero signups um, from organisations all over the world. Um, but later this year, UK is hosting the UN's Global Climate Conference, COP26, and has developed a UK-specific brand together for our planet. Um, and one strand of this national campaign is business engagement, which is spearheaded by Andrew. And as you know, he was appointed by the PM as our uh, net zero business champion. And part of his role is driving a mass mobilisation campaign amongst small businesses to create a UK green business revolution uh, leading up to COP. Uh, uh, next slide, please. 
and um, besides driving those sign-ups to race to zero so that's asking businesses to commit to net zero um, emissions by 2050 and halving emissions by 2030 uh, the campaign's main objectives are to raise awareness and understanding of climate change and net zero among businesses um, and provide uh, advice on immediate next steps they can take bearing in mind that research shows businesses generally understand um, the importance of climate but are just struggling often with the how um, and then finally building uh, momentum in this space leading up to COP26 later in the year. Uh, next slide please. So what does this campaign actually look like? Uh, well a key part is to highlight it will work on multiple levels so at national scale before the besides the usual government channels and the new digital platform which I'll come on to um, in a bit more detail in a second um, Andrews can lead a net zero uh, task force comprised of influential corporations like Google, BT, NatWest, Unilever who are all committed to help reach and effectively communicate with um, a small business audience um, and we also have a series of regional events called Your Business Journey to Net Zero, which you might have heard of and you might be interested in um, partaking in, in future sessions. Um, and we're currently planning a programme of local place-based engagement with local authorities all over the UK as well. Uh, and then finally, we also bring together industry leads uh, on a monthly basis, including FDF, WRAP, uh, UK Hospitality and many others to develop plans on reaching and supporting businesses uh, across all sectors. Um, next slide, please. Um, so the last thing I'll mention is the campaign's digital platform, the UK Business Climate Hub, um, which is what Andrew mentioned at the start. It's already live, so you can go and have a look. We haven't actually officially launched it yet. That's due to uh, be on the week commencing 10th of May. So um, look out for communications there. Um, but essentially, it's a UK landing page on the existing SME Climate Hub, which you might or might not have heard of. Um, but that serves SMEs globally as the main portal into that UN campaign, the Race to Zero. And the difference between this wider website and the UK page that I'm talking about today is twofold. So firstly, and probably most obviously, um, it's designed for UK businesses specifically in mind. So the challenges um, that UK businesses face but secondly it's also targeting like the smaller and the micro end of the SME spectrum so it's intended to support businesses who might not have the resource to dedicate to sustainability and aims to make taking action um, as clear and easy and as accessible as possible which is very much in line with um, what Simon was talking about um, a few minutes ago um, choo, choo, choo. So bearing in mind there are so many initiatives out there which can be really confusing. The hub is intended to be a one-stop shop for businesses. So with everything they need um, on Net Zero in one place, including uh, advice and news, uh, tools that they can access. So that SME Climate Hub does have a very extensive library of tools that um, can be drawn upon um and also events and opportunities leading to COP26. So you want it to be really live and, and buzzing with all the latest information. Um, next slide, please. Um, so here's the first thing you see when you enter the platform. Um, we really encourage you to go and have a look using uh, the link there. Um, we might be able to post it in the chat potentially, um, but it's fmeclimatehub.org slash UK. Um, and as I said, this is live, um, but officially launches on the 10th of May. So uh, besides um, sort of a narrative explaining what climate change and net zero are, there's also really exciting case studies um, from businesses who have already seen the benefits um, of climate action themselves and, and you can hear about it firsthand 
and there's also um, cross-cutting advice so advice that is hopefully universally applicable to all businesses no matter what their sector next slide please and then finally, if you're interested in getting involved, there are tons of things you can do to help. Uh, firstly, leading by example and signing up to Race to Zero yourself if you're a small business. Um, secondly, promoting the campaign via your own channels. We have a toolkit which is in the works and will be re released very shortly. Um, sharing news and opportunities as they come up. Building Race to Zero into your existing events and campaigns, which we'd love to help you with. Um, and finally, telling us your story um, so we can continue to build that bank of inspiring uh, case studies um, and a, yeah a big part of the campaign is celebrating what is what is already happening so yeah we'd love to help you spread the word about um, successes that you've had um, so I think I'm just about out of time so I'll just say thanks very much to um, FDF and Emma for giving us this slot thank you all for listening and um, please get in touch if you'd like to get involved either via Emma um, who will probably give you my contact details or if you'd rather get in touch uh, via LinkedIn or Twitter whatever that's um, absolutely fine too Great, thank thank you ever so much, Sam. And 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 what a, a final presentation to to finish on. Um, it's it's so motivating. And and thank thank you for that. Um, so Emma, if we could go on to that that uh, next slide, That'd be great, brilliant. So really, I just wanted well, to start off by by thanking everyone uh, for uh, for joining today and and for all our speakers, especially uh, to to Andrew for his support in in our launch today. And, and really just wanted to finish upon uh, these these points here. So um, in terms of membership engagement in the roadmap development, we've already heard from Simon about the steering group. And just to add that uh, for members um, at our June um, communications group and the uh, environmental sustainability committee meetings, there will be presentations and Q and A's on the draft report. And then um, as we progress with the roadmap, uh, we'll be engaging with both DEFRA and BASE colleagues on the National Food Strategy, the, the DEFRA's subsequent white paper, and in the forthcoming Net Zero Strategy from BASE, expected in the autumn. As the project progresses, uh, please do keep an eye out for the joining events on our webinar programme and podcast series, as my colleague Emma Mansbridge uh, outlined. And alongside this, in terms of the roadmap launch itself, we plan a series of events on the individual chapters in the lead up to COP26, when we will then launch uh, the report in full. And finally, I'd just like to finish by saying that this, um, this roadmap project marks the start of a whole new work programme for us. And as we progress in this project, we'll also be working on the programme design for the, the post roadmap, um, uh, for, yeah, for, for what we, how we take forward the recommendations from the roadmap post its publication. Um, because that, that is where we will see uh, the, the, the most um, need, uh, the needs, the, working with all our members and, and, and stakeholders on, on how we take forward the recommendations. So really, we very much look forward to working with you all and thank you for joining us today.